When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly, taking you inside this year's top contenders for the Oscars and more of the industry's biggest awards. I'm Clarissa Cruz, EW's executive editor. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Rothkopf, EW's senior movies editor. Hi, Josh. Hey. Today, we have two special guests with us, EW's awards expert, Joey Nolfi. Hi, Joey. Uh, a big exhausted hello to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we have EW's awards editor, Jared Hall. Hi, Jared. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello, good. Today, we're going to sift through the rubble of last night's Academy Awards, some of it radioactive. There were several history-making wins, all of which we'll get to, but the telecast will forever be remembered for the altercation between Will Smith and Chris Rock, a slap in the face that dwarfed all the discussion afterwards and probably should have dwarfed it. It's an ugly moment. We're going to try to unpack and examine how will it affect the perception of the Oscars, What are the implications for Will Smith and what happens next? First, a question for everyone here, just for clarity's sake. What actually happened? Does anyone want to just dive in here? Okay, so we know that Chris Rock presenting Best Documentary was making jokes uh, Chris has presented before, even when he's not hosting. And they kind of give him that time because he's a comedian. So let Chris Rock be a comedian. Uh, He started with some jokes uh, about like, you know, Denzel Washington and then turned to Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz and said, well, if she doesn't win, you can't win because that would be really bad if only one of you takes home an award. And then turns to Will and Jada and makes the joke. Jada, I love you, G.I. Jane 2, referring to her being bald because Demi Moore was bald in G.I. Jane. Well, the problem is that Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia, so she can't really grow hair. Chris Rock tried to play it off after Will smacked him, went up on stage and smacked him, as that it was a joke about the movie, not about her being bald. I don't really buy that. But um, what's weird, and Clarissa, I would love if you have any clarification on this point, because when the joke is made, the camera is on Will and Jada, and Will laughs, Jada immediately, there was this sense of... The eye uh, roll. Yeah, Yeah. the eye roll, there was disappointment, and she was clearly insulted by it, but Will was laughing. So what Mm -hmm. happened in that moment when the camera cut away? Did he like look to her, and she's like, "Mm, no, no, I did not like that at all? I mean, something clearly happened. I mean, I, I was way, way up in the in the mezzanine, so I didn't have the direct sight line to the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, shortly after we heard the yelling, um, you know, the first time that yeah. he said the line of, um, you know, get my wife's name out of your expletive mouth. Oh, say yeah. it, Clarissa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and people were just in shock. Uh, for everyone really did think, oh, is this part of the bit? Is this part yeah. of, like, there's no way. And then he, he said it again. And he was clearly upset. And um, and it, it was very, very obvious that it was not a gag. And um, That's mm-hmm. when it got serious, I think, watching the telecast because he mm-hmm. repeats it twice and then everyone is realizing that this is not a gag. Yeah. 
if you watch that unmuted footage in the international yeah, Twitter, yeah, you know, yeah. you really feel how uncomfortable that is in the room right there. It got so silent. I mean, because the sound mm-hmm. cut out. Uh, I mean, obviously, we were all watching mm-hmm. it at home. And mm-hmm. I mean, the sound cut out on the ABC broadcast. And it made it extra confusing. But then mm-hmm. hearing just how dead silent that room got. Yeah. Um, on the unedited broadcast. Yeah. yeah, it was just as silent in the room because everyone was was really in shock. Like no one could actually believe what was going on in front of their eyes and what they were hearing. Um, and no one, no one really knew how to respond. And if you've ever been to any of these shows, there's always like a slight murmur. There's always, you know, people chatting, you know, there's people at the bars, people, you know, it's never really quiet. And mm-hmm. it was, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in there. Everyone was really, mm-hmm. really shaken, I think, by the whole thing. When the contact happened, was there a gasp or at that point, no, because people didn't think it was real? Well, it sounded like, you know, like when you tap a mic and it's that kind of muffled noise, that's what it sounded like. So I think people did it like, I think people didn't think it was real. Everyone was just kind of, you know, because the reality was kind of horrifying to think of. And from the angle, I don't think anyone had a, a super clear view uh, at least I didn't of, of whether there was contact made. So there, there was there was like a sense of it not being. Seems you know. like Nicole Kidman had a great shot and Lupita. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it looks like you can see because I've watched this clip. I mean, I, no less yeah. than a thousand times since last mm-hmm. night, and it also also looks like you can see Chris's face anticipating that Will is doing a bit as he's walking up to the stage. He puts Uh his hands behind his back, he puts his face forward, and he's laughing. And then you see him anticipate the hand coming, and it almost looks like he thinks Will is going to do this, but as, you know, a mimed sort of bit. And his face, like, goes along with the slap at first. Because I think he was thinking, oh, this is Will that's, you know, his hand's not really going to make contact with me. We'll make this a little bit, whatever. He has no reason to think that right. Will really means right. any right. Will. Because he probably assumed that if he was really furious, that security would have stopped him. Which is yeah. another yeah. big question. Because if Chris Rock is prepared for that moment, and if he's just rolling with it, then, I mean, this can seriously become a, a, a legal matter. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we essentially saw an assault last night mm-hmm. on stage and yeah. just just pushing us through the aftermath was also equally strange where you had a documentary award given out and then you had will smith actually mm-hmm. winning an oscar mm-hmm. and that, that yeah. very you know complex moment where the camera's close on his face and he's apologizing but notably yeah. not to chris rock yeah yeah so i think just just to push us a little further into this a question for everyone how did you think that this moment affects the perception of the oscars in a general sense I mean, I've seen people talking about this and saying that, you know, because the Academy put out a statement afterwards, Mm -hmm. it was just a single sentence on Twitter that said the Academy does not condone violence of any kind. But then you have some people saying, well, not doing anything about it in the moment Mm -hmm. does sort of condone it. And then you also have comedians like I think Kathy Griffin said something really interesting last night. She said now all comedians around the world are going to have to wonder about who is going to be the next Will Smith at their shows and feels emboldened by this moment to come up Mm -hmm. and address things that way. Um, But I also think there's a lot of layers here that, you know, some people might not be able to understand. I mean, the frustration that Will and Jada have had to face in the past few years, there's so much scrutiny over their marriage. It was a high pressure evening. And I mean, the topic of Chris Rock discussing something as sensitive for Jada as her hair. I mean, that is a moment that I think a lot of people 
for various reasons, will not be able to understand like the pain that is associated with a joke at her expense. So there are mm-hmm. so many layers here and things that go stretch We're, beyond yeah. even just this being bad for the academy that I think we have to consider. But there's no excuse, obviously, for, for anyone being being struck. It, yes, you're absolutely right yep. that there are, there are layers to examine. I also feel like it becomes difficult to consider the other, you know, fun elements of the show. Like we can't exactly celebrate the power of the dog, which is about toxic masculinity or Jessica Chastain's performance as a free speaking, you know, Tammy Faye Baker. And at the same time, ignore this one moment, which is essentially about the same things, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing is, I I think personal appearances are off limits for jokes. For me, that's kind of a line. I don't think you go there. I, I don't think he would have. I hope he wouldn't have made a comment about someone's weight. So uh, same thing with her hair. And and the thing is, uh, you know, Chris Rock and, and the Smith family, from what we understand, they're, you know, they're friends and people are saying Chris Rock should have known better. He should have known that this is a very sensitive thing for her. That aside, what Will did is completely inexcusable. That is not the way to handle that. I don't think to your previous question, Josh, about the, the Oscars, I don't think it's going to like tarnish the Oscars. I think this is all on Will Smith. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all on him. The embarrassment's all there. And and I mean, let's be clear, those tears during his speech, the, and he even said it, you know, it's not like happy tears or whatever. What he was trying to say was, these are tears of embarrassment. And mm-hmm. that's really what it was. He was embarrassed about the way he handled that situation. We know that Denzel Washington talked to him during the breaks, that his publicist was over there for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. The show's executive producer, Will Packer, even came out and spoke to him. I don't know, it's odd because hey, uh, on one hand, you know, I'm sure they were trying to like cool him down. I hope that wasn't necessarily being conveyed as good for you. Yeah. I hope that's not what was kind of being articulated there to him. But um, I think all of this is going to come back on Will, not the Oscars. This could have been a moment like at the beginning of a new chapter for him, right? I mean, that's kind of what I was expecting it to be. Oh, it's the beginning of a new chapter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not one he's going to like. Yeah, I totally. And I have to say in, in the room, it was definitely, you know, a different feeling when he, when he came up, a few, you know, a few minutes later to accept the mm-hmm. Best Actor Award. Um, I was in, in the orchestra bar area down there and, you know, everyone quieted it down again because they wanted to hear what he had to say. And um, and the sense was just like, you know, I'm not sure everyone was buying, you know, the, the apology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I heard someone shouted out, you know, when he compared himself to Richard Williams protecting his family, someone mm-hmm. shouted, you know, oh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, it, it, it there was just like a, a sense of, of not buying. Yeah. 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 He's still in the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't buy it either. I wish the apology had come a lot sooner in that speech. It yeah. should have been the first thing he said. I wish people had not stood for him, but here we are. And, and by the way, on top of all of this, it doesn't seem like Whoopi Goldberg as, you know, as of when we're recording this interview, uh, you know, she's one of the Academy governors and uh, co-host of The View. And she said there that she does not anticipate that they're going to take his award away from him, which is absolutely something that they can do because they do have, you know, bylaws and such. Maybe he won't get to be a member anymore. Maybe they'll strip him of his membership, but he gets to keep his award. Who knows? I think there will be a lot of discussions within the Academy. 
Yeah, not equating these things, but I mean, you look at people, past Academy members who have done things, you know, that have gone through the legal system, like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Kevin Spacey Mm -hmm. and Harvey Weinstein, and they still have their Oscars. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely not equating the things that, you know, both of those mm-hmm. men have done with what Will did, but you know, I just think there's a precedent in the past. Of- they've they've done much worse things. Yeah, right. they've done much right. worse things and yes. still have theirs. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and it's and also, I mean, Ampus is an Interpol. Like that's that's really uh, it's a problem because I think they really do need to address this aftermath in a more full way than the one sentence statement. But at the same time, there is going to be a limit here, especially if Chris Rock doesn't press charges as to what will be enough to satisfy the perception or change the perception, or does this enter into a sort of a a criminal sphere? Hmm. Doesn't seem like it's going to, but um, I'm really curious now. This is, this is either going to make for a really good upcoming episode of red table talk, or (laughs) we're going to see Will sitting down with Oprah. Something's going to come of this. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, should we discuss some of the other moments? Because oh. this was a great show. There were because there were a lot of great moments. Yeah, yeah I did like this show. <laughs> it was a good show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, w- I was really um, entertained. I mean, you all know what I want to talk about. Yeah. The moment that I think was a really nice moment of humanity, Gaga and Liza. I mean, mm-hmm. what a sweet moment of, you know, we're now hearing that Gaga personally requested mm-hmm. that Liza come on stage and present with her. And just to see the way that Gaga sort of, you know, was helping her along. Because I think Liza was, you know, even said at one point, I don't understand. I'm a little confused. Mm-hmm. And Gaga leaned down to her and said, you know, I got you and held her hand. And it's just like, what a nice moment to sort of counteract some of the other things that we saw mm-hmm. at this show. I think she generally, really genuinely likes to work with older stars too. And you can, yeah. you can sense that, right? Yeah. And they love her. Yeah, it's people who people she grew up listening to and, and uh, you know, she, she loves their body of work. And mm-hmm. she's, in those regards, a real fan. So a fan getting to, you know, work with these icons, it's, um, mm-hmm. I love seeing it too. That was a really wonderful moment. It really was. And, I mean, let's not forget, with Coda winning, it pulls off this upset, you know. We finally have a streamer that's won Best Picture. So, I mean, what does that say about Coda and its appeal and maybe the appeal of The Power of the Dog, which was the frontrunner for so long? I mean, I definitely at this point would not call it an upset. I mean, I think that it is, you know, it has winning PGA is just proof that it was 
um, like we discussed on the podcast last week. I mean, it had the industry support. It won on a preferential mm-hmm. ballot ahead of the Oscars. The awards that Jane Campion was winning, like at DGA, they were individualized things for Jane. And I think Power of the Dog only winning one of its 12 nominations proves that there really was not as much support as we thought there might have been at the beginning of the season. So once CODA sort of started picking up in recent weeks, I think it was clear that CODA had probably been the front runner, um, at least for the past you know, two months because the voting and stuff that's going on in that period isn't necessarily as visible to us. When nominations come out, that's all we have to go on. And so much changes behind the scenes. So yeah, I definitely think Coda was the front runner. Yeah, I, I mean, we were predicting it. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Joey, I'm curious about that. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this because if you look statistically, you have a situation with Netflix where you have 12 nominations for The Power of the Dog, it wins one. Mank had 10 nominations and it won two. The Irishman had 10 yeah. nominations and won zero. So is there an anti-Netflix faction? Is there a factor here actually about that? I wonder. I don't think that they necessarily like, I think a lot of people tend to think that the Academy thinks with like this hive mind mentality. And I just don't think that's true. I think that it's more about the types of films that Netflix is choosing to put its money behind and, and push for Oscars. I mean, if you look at the Irishman and Mank, and Trial of the Chicago 7, I mean, which did win Oscars. But I mean, those are just such <laughs> boring <Yeah>. movies. <laughs> They're so boring. They're not exciting. They're not, you know, Coda is something that is a quick, emotionally appealing movie that you can sit anybody down in front of and they will mm-hmm. enjoy. I don't know many people who do not exist in the Academy who sat down in front of The Irishman and were like, oh yeah, this is, I like my <laughs> parents aren't going to sit down and watch The Irishman for three hours and come away with the same feeling that they came away from CODA with. Yeah. So and they, they choose the wrong films, maybe. Yes. And you could even say Roma too. I mean, that was never going to win. That. Right. It's not anti-Netflix sentiment. I think that it's just Netflix is not necessarily... They're backing more what they feel like are traditional Academy Award-winning movies that you would have seen winning in theaters, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. But I think Coda is more indicative of how people are consuming movies now. It's a streaming movie. It's quick. It's enjoyable, emotionally uplifting. That's obviously the kind of thing that's going to win, especially in the pandemic era, accessible on streaming. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of accessible and emotionally appealing, the best actress race finally ended up favoring mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain. And do we have any Monday morning analysis as to why she ultimately won? I mean, it's it's the power of drag. <laughs> I mean, it's... I mean, she... And also, I would give... Regina Hall an Oscar for her portrayal of Tammy Faye on the stage <laughs> last night. I mean, that was just, I mean, just Regina Hall. I mean, she was amazing. Yeah. I, I think her hosting, I, I was so, um, so pleasantly surprised at how funny yes. she was. Not that I didn't know that she was funny, but that whole bit with the COVID tests. Oh, oh my was God. So good. Everyone was rolling. And I cringed at first. I was like, Oh no, we're doing a COVID bit, but <laughs> yeah. she committed to that and yeah. everybody played along so well. But anyway, Tammy Faye. Yeah. Jessica yeah. Chastain, <laughs> I was thrilled. She, for me, was me uh, she was my favorite in that category. Me too. Uh, we knew that, you know, Penelope Cruz apparently had been gaining some momentum here in like the last two weeks or so, but I don't think two weeks is enough. Yeah. You know, really enough time to sustain the whole season. And, you know, Penelope had missed some um, earlier precursors, if I'm not mistaken. She did. Yeah. But yeah, Chastain, I mean, and I also don't think this is one of those like for your body of work 
Oscars because if that was no. the case, like mm-hmm. Amy Adams would have won years ago and, yeah. uh, you know, some others would have already won too. She, I think, really deserved it for this. And uh, especially that she's been seeing this movie through for, it's been a decade Ten now. Years. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years. Yeah, that she's been trying to get this yeah. made. Good for her. She deserved it. She's also been doing really well on the circuit too. I mean, saying the right things, connecting this. I think it really, her on the circuit didn't feel like it was necessarily grabbiness. It felt like she was promoting the things that made Tammy and the film special to her. And I think that really came through as to why she connected so deeply with the performance, the work that she put into the performance, how much she Mm -hmm. understood what Tammy Faye was about, or at least her version of Tammy Faye, what she was about. And again, I just think that this is the transformative aspect also doesn't hurt her here. I mean, any role that is a transformative role, the Academy clearly loves. But I just think at the end of the day, this really does come down to the power of that performance. And Mm -hmm. I think we might be having a different conversation, though, because of the politics of the race and, you know, the reasons why Academy likes what they like. If that final stretch of maybe 10 minutes where Jessica has that huge musical moment, if that wasn't in the film, I think we might be having a different discussion because you watch that film, you're on board with Jessica's performance. But when she has that final musical moment, you're just like, oh, my God, this performance is just it's just a gobsmacking performance. Yeah. yeah, and it was yeah. also, I mean, I think not to go back to the slap again, but to hear her speech and to hear the dignified way that she, you know, really centralized her thanks and, and yeah. focused on the community that really resonates with Tammy Faye Baker, I think did its part to restore some of the dignity to the night. That was important yeah. for me, I think, watching the telecast. Yeah, yeah, because she was like, we've been talking about love here tonight. If we're going to talk about love, which is what I kind of felt like, well, I'm not quite so sure your uh, speech was really hitting on love. Right. Um, right. But yeah, her her speech was great too. Ariana DeBose as well. That speech oh, was Ariana's fantastic. Speech oh, wait, before we move so on good. to Ariana, I just want to mm. say about Jessica, um, I randomly ended up sitting at a table at the governor's ball with her hair and makeup team. Um, with oh. their Oscar. And um, and they were just, they could not stop singing her praises, not just for how much she worked with them, you know, to, to make this happen and was so involved in, in that transformation process, but also that she was there for them, you know, in that first hour, well, it was really like a first half hour mm-hmm. when they when they presented the the, the craft um, and, and short categories. And she, and they were just like, you know, she's there for us. She was always there for us. She was, she made it a point to be there throughout the whole thing up until the end. So I'm um, really on board with her there. How do you think it all went down with that, uh, abbreviating those categories and, and showing them during the telecast? How do you think, how do you think it played? Being in the, in the room for that first, uh, the first part, it, it felt a bit perfunctory. Um, you know, they were just kind of blazing through and, um, uh, and we, we all know it was being taped, but uh, I, I was surprised for one that it was over after 35 minutes thinking that it was going to be like that full hour. Um, and then, you know, how they were, how, how did it seem at home when they knitted that part together in the live telecast? At home, I, I think that we were, uh, we were surprised actually by, at least I was surprised by how uh, full the speeches were. I think I was expecting something much more abbreviated where it was just a single sentence from a speech or a montage, at least from my perspective. I was grateful that it was more extended. They basically, they mentioned all the nominees, they announced the winner, and then they cut out the walk up to the podium. And then by and large, they played at least 30 seconds to a minute of the speech. I mean, it varied from award to award. So it didn't it didn't quite feel like the blip that I think a lot of us were worried about. You know, that said, it would have been nice if it was during the telecast. And I think it's also worth noting that 
despite all these cuts, this Oscars went longer than last year. It went longer than than every Oscar ceremony. This was really one of the longest ones. And so I don't know if that if, if shifting those eight categories to the pre-show really had an effect at all. Well, I think the idea of it was, I mean, it ended up, I think it was a lot less of a quote-unquote snub of these people than a lot of people were anticipating. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was disappointing to see things like, you know, Riz Ahmed, as as excited as we were for him to get his Oscar. I mean, reportedly the director of the film's quotes were entirely cut out of the ceremony. No, that, that's not reportedly. It, it totally, um, it totally. Oh, it did happen. Up. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. So he he gave a, a speech, and then Riz came on. Um, but when the telecast happened, uh, they only showed Riz. Um, and the director has said some really nice things, and it, yeah. it, it, there's nothing controversial about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, the the reasons for the cuts just. Yeah. It was strange. <laughs> it was very strange. They, I I don't know if they'll ever do this again. Yeah. Right. Well, what else can we talk about, Beyonce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that performance, that performance didn't feel live. I was wondering if it was actually, uh, I mean, because it was so beautifully. She was wearing the dress. She wore yeah, the she dress was. She's wearing the dress to the ceremony, so I think she was being straight. I Maybe feel it, it might have been pre-taped because it was clearly edited and edited beautifully, you know, but it felt like a video. Yeah, I don't know how far away, like, I don't know my way around Los Angeles, so I don't know the neighborhood where they filmed that and how close it is to the theater. Close enough. But I just think that it was... This Oscars just felt different to me. I mean, I think last year they really took stock of what was going on. Last year's Oscars was just outside of the winners, which were great. I mean, the show itself last year, oh, and Glenn Close doing the button. Yeah, the button, yeah. Um, It was just such a a weird show. And this show felt alive. It felt kinetic. It felt Mm -hmm. energetic. I mean, the hosts, what brilliant hosts, the performances I thought were fantastic. Opening with that Beyonce number, it just felt epic and grand in a way that I feel like the Oscars opening before, like having it be that sort of, whether it was a live performance or video style opening, it just made everything feel so grand and expensive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that big theatrical moment we're looking for from the Oscars. And also... I screamed when Megan the Stallion came out <laughs> for We Don't Talk About Bruno and yeah. somehow incorporated the name Zendaya into the <laughs> lyrics. I mean, how much more of a 2022 moment can you get than Megan yeah. the Stallion making a surprise appearance at the Oscars rapping about Zendaya in a song from a Disney movie? I mean, it doesn't get better than that. There was also a sense that the Oscars returned to, I think it's chief function, which is celebrating the movies. Like we saw Oscar clips of movies, like clips of movies were back. That was just such a a strained idea to avoid clips of movies last time. Yeah. And the fact that they were celebrating, you know, Bond films and they were celebrating the Godfather and there was a sense. Although the the Bond one, I mean, I remember thinking like, okay, so they did that little montage, but there were no, I was like, I was expecting like Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan, Pierce you know, Brosnan. Some, some sort of a reunion. And so that was a little bit anticlimactic. And then so when the Godfather one came out, that was it was nice when, when mm-hmm. we got to see that trio. Um, but, you know, on the whole, I think the reunions were really fun. The White Men Can't Jump one was fun. The Juno one, too. The Juno one, that yeah. That was really sweet. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was really It was sweet. so nice to see Elliot Page, you yes. know, sort of get that reintroduction to the masses. I really, really, really loved that moment. Mm-hmm. And the Pulp Fiction one, I'm sorry, it's just <laughs> like, I mean, to have them coming out and like not just doing things. It was like, okay, here's, we're going to come out and do this really stoic, poised reunion. It was Uma and John literally just dancing. And then yeah. you have J.K. Simmons referencing pork <laughs> swords um, and the Juno reunion. It's like, this is the fun stuff that 
proves that they were not just doing this as a, like I said, a poised stoic reunion just to get people in front of a camera. They were connecting with what people remember about the movies, which was mm-hmm. great. The, but what about those, that fan favorite fan cheer moment? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yes, pass. I know. I, I feel like we got, we got the winners we deserved with that. I mean, <laughs> you know, talking about perfect Cinderella and, and I mean, Zack Snyder, I mean, this sort of the Snyder cut fandom, you know, sort of rearing its ugly head here. That was so weird. It was weird. And I also I felt at least in also in the in the breaks and the commercial breaks watching the telecast at home, you really got a sense of ABC and Disney struggling mightily to insert itself into a conversation that by and large it wasn't a part of. I mean, they they won for Cruella, but I mean, I I felt the effort in that. And also just trying to connect to it. I mean, I just feel like the stuff, it, a lot of it felt so false. Like on the pre-show red carpet, they had all these really strange like Instagram influencers mm-hmm. and TikTok people on the red carpet. And they actually had, I mean, the one really cringe moment that I remember was they have this one, oh my gosh, he's this Instagram person who has, you know, there have been a few things in the past that people have had issues with him for, for various reasons. And they had him like saying bye Felicia, okay. uh, like reciting quotes from films and stuff. And I'm just like, do you not who yeah. like, wh- where is the foresight <laughs> here? Like what? I, it just was yeah. embarrassing. And I'm just like this, this is doing the exact opposite of what you're trying to do by proving that you're in touch with, you know, these crowds. Do we need influencers even when we, when you have prognosticators and you have celebrities and you have, you know, Lady Gaga, you have like, some of the most massive presences on social media. Do we even need the influencers? Can I just say every time Josh says the words Lady Gaga, I just, it just tickles me. I just, I love it because it's such a rare occasion. I have to start saying it more. <laughs> Jared, what did you think about the Instagram influencers of it all? Um, I, that's mainly where I saw them, uh, on the carpet when we, you know, we all have to be there so early and they were, you know, walking around and taking their pictures and getting the content for their own feeds. And then, you know, <laughs> where they were positioned on the carpet was kind of at the turn. So everyone walked down and then made a turn to go into the theater. Influencer alley, <laughs> nightmare <Yes>. alley. <laughs> nightmare alley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they had their own, I can only kind of describe it as like a loungy bar area. Ugh. And they were, you know, all just like standing there getting, you know, the shots of uh, all the celebs as they, uh, as they walked by. I was wondering who that who they were, Jared. Like when I was walking Gross. by, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, a lot of them are big TikTok stars. <laughs> um, so most of them were confined, kind of to that space. They were corralled and put right there. Yeah. Um, the Academy was also working with another guy who's big on TikTok. Uh, his name is. Reese Feldman, and um, I think his handle is guy with a movie camera. Not Jared promoting the influencers <laughs> tags. No, no, but whatever. I, I just want people to, but no, because my point is like, he, this is someone who's actually, he is a filmmaker and he is like doing stuff. Yeah, so it makes yeah. sense to bring in someone like that who, you know, has, has that kind of connection. They're not just like famous for being famous. Like he actually does cool stuff um, on his accounts and it makes sense to bring in someone like that who has a following, but is also, you know, a, a guy who is, you know, he's, he's working yeah. in, in yeah. this, uh, mm-hmm. industry, in this field. So, um, yeah, so that makes sense, but I don't know the influencers. I mean, you know, the whole thing was trying to get younger people to tune in and, 
You've got, you know, Timothy there bare chested with his, uh, you know, whatever kind of jacket you want to call that. I mean, it was a cool look. Not everyone can pull that off. Good for him. I think Harry Styles already did it last year on the Grammys, though. Oh, shots fired. Jared. <laughs> yeah, and bringing in Jacob Elordi and, I mean, Zendaya was there, but she was just in the audience. She didn't do anything. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think just the mere presence of these people is going to convince their young fans to also watch the Oscars. They're just going to watch their social media content. That's it. And I don't know if there's an actual benefit to that for the Academy. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let it be known that if I ever attend the Oscars, I will be wearing exactly what Timothy Chalamet wore. (laughs) I mean, more power to you, honestly. You will wear it better, Joey. Oh, oh, Clarissa, (laughs) thank you. Thank you, thank you. I love the shot of him looking very uh, uncomfortable when Megan was rapping about Zendaya and he was getting no attention. (laughs) (laughs) It it was was so great. I mean, we love a Timmy moment. He knew what he was opening himself up to. (laughs) Well, I mean, to tie it all together, I mean, here's how Penguin Bloom can still win Best Picture. Um, I was waiting for it. I stopped on the last few episodes. I stopped, but we got to bring it back. Mm -hmm. Oh, I will never forget. No, but not Naomi Watts. Oh my God, did you see her Instagram when she was like, flashback to my first Oscars nomination in 2013 and everybody was like, um, excuse me, 21 Grams found dead in a ditch. Like, you were nominated twice. (laughs) I missed that. That's weird. She forgot. Well, she did forget. She forgot her first Oscar nomination. But, you know, I will always remember Naomi. I will always remember. (laughs) Well, overall, it was a fun show, though. It was I I was happy to see some of the changes they made. One very bad moment. But as a whole, I think they did a nice job. Yes. The hosts, especially I cannot overstate enough how great the hosts were. I mean, because, you know, I'm personally a huge fan of all three of them including Amy Schumer, which I know she is not everybody's cup of tea, but I think a lot of people, you know, I was seeing a lot of social media chatter being like, of all three of the hosts, they were not anticipating Amy Schumer to be their favorite. But now I'm seeing nothing but like praise for all Mm -hmm. three of them. And I just think that it was the right direction to go. Hosts Mm -hmm. that really have great chemistry together, their comedic styles go well together. And let's just manifest an Oscar for Regina (laughs) Hall at some point, a retroactive Oscar for Scary Movie 3. (laughs) It's a girl's trip. I can't even imagine how what I mean what a real problem this would have been without hosts. I mean, hosts oh, serve yeah. a function, which is to sort of, you know, lightly make fun and also celebrate and and have just the right balance between the kind of cynicism and celebration. And if the slap happened without hosts, I mean, it really we really would have tipped into something something even more ugly than it was. What did Amy came out and she was like, "Did something? Did something happen? happen? I was changing yeah. out of my." <laughs> You know, it was perfect. (laughs) Did you see Tiffany Haddish too? also like give her like a little like, I see what you did there. And like they had a little moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. in that. It was so great. That's what a host does. It was like keep things moving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all from us today. Thanks for joining us on the Awardist for the 2022 Oscars season. Next up, we'll have Grammys predictions. So please subscribe and continue to listen along every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, tell us what you think, and share it with your friends. You can also head to ew.com slash awardist for complete awards coverage and follow me on Twitter at ClarissaNYC1, Josh at Josh Rothkopf, Joey at Joey Nolfi, and Jared at Jared Hall. Thanks for listening.